0: Welcome to Rise Leaders Radio, I'm your host Leanne Mallory. As a leadership coach, I work inside organizations and I focus on helping leaders achieve their whole person potential and meaningfully contribute to their organization's mission. With this podcast, I share leadership best practices, developmental approaches, and stories of exemplary leaders. Welcome, everyone, to episode 28. This is an episode on the coaching ecosystem. Really, in your organization, how do you set up coaching? so that it's a really great experience and you get a a fantastic return on your investment as an organization. I have a confession to make. This episode is, is being redone. I had recorded it solo. It had been edited, sent back to me. I listened to it. I didn't like it. And so I told Jerry, who I'm sitting here with today, and he offered me a lifeline so here we are sitting in jerry's beautiful backyard it is a sunday afternoon bluebird skies you might hear some planes in the background or a dog barking or hopefully no one turns on their uh, leaf blower while we're out here but i want you to imagine that you're just sitting at the table with jerry and i as we're having this conversation and first, I just want to say hello and
1: welcome and get your, your voice here. Thanks so much. I'm just as happy as I can be to be with you today.
0: Yeah, it's really great to be looking into your eyes and <laughs> sit, sitting across yes. the table from you with a, uh, with a cup of tea. And before we get started, I want to say a few things about my friend Jerry. So I'm again, imagine that you're sitting at the table with this kind of person. So Jerry, as I said, is a, is a dear, dear friend and a very admired colleague. So someone I admire a lot. He works in the space of leadership development as well, mostly on the organization side. And when it comes to facilitation skills, he's known in our circle as maybe the best, at least, <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, he's turning red, at least in the top three. Uh, facilitators of organization effectiveness workshops, consulting, etc.
1: And Jerry, say what your primary focus is. Well, like everyone else, pivoting. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And uh, interestingly, for us, we're making changes, but uh, as a leadership development consultant and facilitator, I'm really primarily right now focusing on helping organizations and leadership teams transition in these turbulent times and adapt to change and all those types of things so
0: and i bet you're busy <laughs> yes
1: lots <laughs> sitting in my office staring into zoom <laughs>
0: right so. right again uh, we are outside we are socially distanced here and so it's great to be uh it's great to be in person and thank you again so much for um, offering your hand you were you know, like i said my phone a friend and so i i sent jerry kind of the topic that i wanted to talk about and he said oh yeah i'd love love to interview you. So I I'm, I'm just going to like toss it over to you now. <laughs>
1: yeah, because we are turning the tables on you today, aren't we? <laughs> yes. What does it feel like to be on the other side of the questions?
0: <laughs> well, it feels uh, at this point it feels relieving because I have a sense that this is going to be a much better episode because you're interviewing me <laughs> rather than me just talking into a microphone by myself. And hats yeah. off to all of the people out there who do podcast and who are just solo. I have not mastered that. <laughs>
1: (laughs) well i'm just excited to have a conversation with you really and um and what a kind introduction you had and i'm gonna return the favor because this is all so true um so you know while you and i do the same thing around the leadership development facilitation i don't do coaching and because of that i have referred people to you throughout the years and uh and overwhelmingly i mean just every single client comes back with saying three things about you they say i love leanne <laughs> and they say the um, uh, experience was amazing and they say it really made a difference mm-hmm. and, and so f- those three things really speak to you the person they speak to your ability to create a relationship with people and not just a relationship but one that generates results in the the real world and so i'm really excited to uh get to pull back the curtain and see what's behind your thinking a little bit on uh, coaching.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're going to be focused today. These ideas have been percolating for a while. There's a whole part of coaching that has to do with the client and the coach and what we do together and what, what the coach, you know, what we're pulling out of our hat and all of that. And when we're working in organizations, there's a whole other set of of, of things that need to be in place, I call it an ecosystem, yeah. that really supports the success of the client. And that's yeah. really what I, what I wanted to, to talk about. And Absolutely. so I didn't want to give up on the episode
1: because I didn't like the way it turned out. But yeah, so I cool. think that's important. Well, and I think what, it, to me, you as the coach, Uh, And the integrity that you bring to the process is to say these are the standards and these are the criteria that we need to have in place. Mm -hmm. And if we have anything less than that, we're going to generate results that aren't what you're looking for. And, And there are a lot of people who will say yes to anything. Right. And so what I hear you really getting into is uh, the, the criteria and the standards by which you want to engage with your clients.
0: Yeah, and I'm becoming more and more willing to say no when those things aren't there because I think that um, it ends up being not a good use of the organization's resources, both yeah. their financial resources and their energetic, their time, you yeah. know, it, it, and it becomes very frustrating for people. And so I've I've actually started declining when these things aren't there.
1: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I think about the evolution of coaching in the last twenty years or so, and what, what's your take on, you know, the, through the lens of this ecosystem idea versus where things were earlier in the the world of coaching.
0: Well, I think, oh, first of all, you know, every coach is very different. I work better in a more structured environment, so I do bring that in. Uh, but if I back up a little bit and even say that, you know, when I first started this. Um, you know, 20 or so years ago, that coaching was seen as a, a, a mixed bag. So sometimes if a client or if, say if an organization had used coaching primarily um, to close performance gaps, so people who were, quote, in trouble were the <laughs> ones that got coaching, Yeah. then no one wanted to tell anyone that they were getting coached. You know because it's like oh i was i've been bad you know i need (laughs) to be fixed but what's happened over the years is that organizations have seen coaching as a really great way to invest in key leaders it's expensive and so you're not going to invest in everyone and certainly not a new leader they have they're doing their work just getting their legs underneath them in the beginning but it is seen more and more as a um as a strategic development plan, so really to focus it on the people who have really great potential in the organization.
1: And so that view of coaching, I think, has changed it has hasn't it 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 is so funny when you you said that you you reminded me that back in the late 90s people wouldn't even have their coach on site they would like slurk off into the car somewhere else to to have the meeting and now it's almost a badge of honor to have a coach yes and and to be what what do you think about that idea this that people will well I met with my coach and Mm -hmm. I'm going are you coaching Uh, you have a coach I have a coach yeah
0: I have to be careful because I think you know probably seventy. Five eighty percent of the people are in that bucket, and there are still people who are just really private. I le- always let the want the client to take the lead on if they want other people to know that that they've got a coach, because it, it ultimately it's their it's their choice. And so, yeah, it's not a hundred
1: percent. So sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, tell me who who are the typical clients that reach out to you, and where are they in their career at that
0: point? Well, like I said, it's expensive. And, you know, both from a time and a financial standpoint. And so it's usually people at least, you know, midpoint in their career. And um, people who are, mostly they're getting to the next level. So um, there are some some basic categories. But before we go into to those categories, I want to talk about some context. And so if I say the categories are typically like succession planning, so people who are plan are getting ready for promotion, or someone who got a promotion, and they're not feeling ready. So that's another Mm -hmm. category. Sometimes just high achieving leaders will ask for coaching. And and then that last one is still the case where sometimes there are performance gaps. So those are the big categories. But the, um, the broader context is that as as leaders are gaining more and more responsibility, their scope broadens, they're having to manage more complex relationships, more nuanced relationships, and even dealing with the just the chaos, as you were talking about, of, of the pandemic or whatever is going on. Um, leaders often find themselves in over their heads. That's a quote that, or there's actually a book by yeah. Bob Keegan called In Over, in over Our Heads. And um, that's a good time to call on a coach is that when you find yourself like, I'm in new waters and this doesn't make sense. And there's, there's a higher expectation for some nuanced leadership. So balancing vision and strategy with the ability to build trust, manage relationships, develop your team—it's a lot. It's a lot yeah. that's expected. So, that's underneath the request. But the request typically typically comes in those four categories. Yeah, I'd like to talk a little bit more about um, you know succession planning or planning for a promotion. A lot of times people know like six to 18 months out. What I find, those are a lot of times people that are, are going to step into the C-suite or the CEO role. So that's typically something that people know um, six to 18 months out that that's going to happen. And they work with their leader to, to to identify what skill sets they're going to need to make that transition. So that's the succession planning piece. Like People know they're about to take on these responsibilities and they want to get themselves prepared. When they find themselves in a new position and they hadn't prepared for it, so that happens just as probably more often than the succession sure. planning does, that they find themselves in these new positions, they have increased responsibilities. Oftentimes, they're now managing their peers—you know, people that yeah. used to work alongside of them—and they feel shaky. they are they don't quite have the confidence, and so they'll develop. You know, they'll go into coaching for that. Um, and then sometimes people are just high-achieving leaders. So I've had people contact me that just say. I am I know I have some gaps, I know I have some blind spots, and I wanna see what those are. A lot of times we'll pull in and we'll do a 360 degree assessment there. We'll bring other people into the mix there. And so it's not necessarily that they've got something specific that they're looking for as far as a position. They just know that they want to be bigger and better as a leader. So those are three. And then, of course, that fourth uh, one we still get, which is performance gaps. So as you can imagine, as organizations are changing and leaders are getting more and more responsibility, there are bumps in the road as those leaders are developing those capabilities. There's no place in life that while we're progressing, we don't stumble and fall and so sometimes people will get coaching that typically comes in the form of communication you know how do they handle conflict are they able to build trusting relationships those performance gaps usually come in the interpersonal relationship space and so those are the four going a little bit
1: deeper into those four categories and it sounds like a couple of those categories are ones that are typically initiated by a leader uh, so, so the succession planning and the gap closing, and uh-huh. the other two seem to be kind of someone raising their hand and saying, ooh, I'd, I'd like to either just get better or because I'm always trying to get better, or I'm feeling shaky and I need yep. to get better. Absolutely. Yeah. That's true. And I think about
0: it's about half and half yeah. when I get a call. Half the time it's from the organization looking for help for some or support for a leader, and the other half of the time it's the leader saying, I'm looking for a coach. Ah, interesting.
1: Yeah. What about, how do you see coaching in the broader arsenal of all, you know, you and I live in this world of leadership development that includes workshops and all kinds of online learning and just all kinds of things. How Mm -hmm. do you see coaching fitting into that?
0: I think it's, it's integral. I think that it's not an either or. I love the distributed aspect of workshops and group learning. I think it's super important. And it's culture building, it's relationship building, it's alignment producing. So there's no substitute for those times when leaders are in in group settings, whether it's with their organizational cohorts or. Um, cohorts outside their organization and they're hearing about how um, other people are doing things and they're learning other lessons so I think both are invaluable yeah I I think they're integral to each other what's
1: your what's your take on that from the side of the one who's doing most of the work in the classroom environment one of the things that I have such an appreciation for on the coaching side is that it it really drives the sustainability of this and it drives the transfer of what we talk about in that room mm-hmm. into reality because there's, people have to struggle with things and they have to have some successes and some failures and then report back and it seems like that's the perfect place for that to happen is in the coaching relationship.
0: It is and as you say that, um, more and more um, classroom settings are coupling one-on-one coaching with the classroom settings for the exact reason yeah. that you're talking about. So to make it more personal and more applicable and a little bit more sustainable. So absolutely, yes.
1: You, you know, if you're in just a leadership development program and some of them, the numbers get pretty high, you can uh, you can get lost. You can kind of- uh, And you can check out. Check out and do it. But, but if there's a coaching component that you're face-to-face now, virtually face-to-face, or uh, whatever it looks like, there's a level of accountability that uh, I I just think is so critical to the development process.
0: I agree, I agree. I think they're a good complement to each other. So I wouldn't say it's either or, Mm -hmm. and not everybody who's in a group setting is gonna get individual coaching and and vice versa. So I think they're both invaluable. There's a place for both of
1: them. Excellent, Yeah. But well, when, you, when you think about those four categories and you think about someone who's reaching out, whether it's the um, boss or the organization that's reaching out or someone's raising their hand and saying, I need help. You mentioned as we kicked off our conversation, the idea of an ecosystem. Can, mm-hmm. you, can you describe a little bit about what, what are the conditions that create the, the most success? Yep. Great question.
0: First and foremost is a client who's willing and motivated and open and if we don't get that pretty soon most of the time it's there but there are some times when um, the client just never agrees that they should be in coaching right so these aren't the people that are calling and if the client isn't willing then there's we really don't have an engagement and i'll um i typically gate my engagements for that reason. Say more about what do you mean by gate? Well, gating means that we, uh, you know, we have kind of milestones. And actually the first and here's here's our uh, background noise. (laughs) Yes. Um, The first the first gate is, you know, do we have a willing client? The second gate will be: Can we um, come to agreement on what we want the outcomes to be? And so that is often when when the organization is involved that is sitting down with the client and their boss and getting really clear about what we want the outcomes to be, and then i say about you know 8 weeks or so into the engagement there's there's a natural checkpoint that says how's this going do do we want to keep moving forward and most of the time the answer is yes but it gives everybody an out to yeah. say you know actually this isn't working or we've changed our mind or whatever
1: and so that's another gate And so I like to set it up that way. I think that's wonderful because, again, to me, that speaks so much to the integrity of the process that you uh, bring Mm -hmm. to the table because uh, so often there aren't gates. It's a, here's your contract. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, X number of months and it's X number of dollars and... And so we're in it, and what you're doing is you're saying, no, there are there are these moments of no fault <laughs> yeah. stepping away and, uh, and no harm, no foul, but let's have right. that conscious moment rather than having something fizzle out unconsciously.
0: Yeah, and there's all kinds of reasons why that is good to do. And you know, some of them are selfish, you know, if selfishly, it is um, like slogging through mud to work with someone who doesn't want to be worked with. yeah, Like they cancel their meetings, all of those things. And it's yeah. very unfulfilling, you know, personally. And also like, I don't want a reputation that I work <laughs> with people and we don't make progress. <laughs> And so there's also that. So there's Great the satis- Yeah, there's the satisfaction point part of that. Yeah. And there's also the reputation. And I don't want to work with people that don't want to do the
1: work. Yeah, you want your clients to I have my- succeeded. That's the good gossip I want. <laughs> <laughs> you know?
0: yes. Yeah. So so there's that. So there's the client, there's the getting the alignment. There's also, I think, just support, general support around the client, meaning that the organization has faith in them, mm. that they see that person as having potential that see they see that person is willing to change or that they've got what it takes to go to the next level so we've got that ecosystem that is supportive and clients know that they they know if they've got this support or not and then I think the final the final piece of that is feedback so part of that support I think is for them to get ongoing feedback people are working really hard to make changes and to do things differently and it's good for them them to reach out to their, their colleagues and their boss and say, hey, here's what I'm working on. When you see me doing this, will you raise your hand and say, you know, great job, I just saw you doing this thing and it was really helpful. And when it doesn't work, I wanna know that too. So there's a whole ecosystem I think that can be yeah. in place to help make the
1: leaders even more successful. When you say that, particularly about the feedback piece, I think that in, in some ways this boss who has engaged you to engage with this person for whatever reason if it's a gap issue or Mm -hmm. if it's a succession planning opportunity it seems to me that the reality is their job is about to get a lot more intense because of what you just said this yes. this feedback can you just talk a little bit more about that
0: yes because um and this actually kind of goes into when things don't work so we can just kind of start pivoting into that sure. as well yeah, yeah. so one of the derailers of coaching is that people aren't getting that feedback so, the role of the boss gets more intense because they are going to be not on the hook, but they're going to be asked to sit across from their direct report and let them know how, how it's going. Feedback is like facing conflict. We don't like to do it as human beings, it's not comfortable. And so, that's part of their work too and oftentimes in these check-in meetings that i do along the way that's part of what we're doing is that we're skill building around
1: giving feedback and delivering hard news yeah and and by the way let me clarify this when you say you're skill building it's not just your coachee that you're skill building with, you're skill building with their manager, right? Yes,
0: yes, so, right. And that's what I thought you meant when you said the boss.
1: And that's exactly right. Yes,
0: so, um, which sometimes happens too, and is, or when it doesn't happen, I call that a punt or tossing something over the fence. (laughs) Right, what
1: does that look like?
0: Well, I've only, early in my career, thank goodness, so I could recognize when it happened, I got hired to coach this woman, you know, we have this checklist of all the things that we need to do before we usher someone out of the organization. And getting a coach was the last thing. Her manager really did not want anything to do with her anymore. He just wanted to, and, and that happens sometimes. You get these messages like, I've got this leader that I need to be fixed. And sometimes it's, it's true that the, the leader does have a performance gap, but they're part of an ecosystem yeah. where they're not being given the feedback they need in order, in order to improve. Yeah. So when I get a sniff that someone's (laughs) trying to punt and just hand me this thing. I know it's not going to work. And so back to what you're saying about the role of the boss, is that the boss needs to be included in that, giving the feedback and telling the truth. I mean, sometimes the person doesn't need to be coached. Sometimes they're not a good fit. Mm -hmm. Let's just say our blessings and let the person go and, and be successful somewhere else. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. But, but this idea of the boss who may or may not have done what they've needed to do to set them up for success, even, even in a succession planning process mm-hmm. where it's kind of like they're about to move to the next level and now, now we want you to help them get there. What I hear you saying is, you don't play that game. You <laughs> say, no, 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 I am a part of what is going to happen. And so bosses who want to maybe outsource that development, mm-hmm. Are really setting the employee up for a failure if they're thinking in those terms, that, that you're gonna create an opportunity for them yeah. to work with you to support that success.
0: Yeah, yeah, so that's also some magical thinking that, you know, in (laughs) these six months, which, you know, the typical coaching engagement is six to 12 months, that in these six to 12 months, I'm going to just, uh, I want you to wave a magic wand, and I just want this person to be delivered back with all of these amazing capabilities. Yeah. And it just doesn't
1: work that way. Yeah, how do you kind of give people the hard truth of that When, when you see some leader getting into magical thinking and they're not interested in being a part of the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, what's your experience with that?
0: I don't say you're that's magical thinking, but I just lay it out ahead of time that here's going to be the ecosystem that we're working yeah. within. And if you're willing to do this, these things, then we have an engagement. But if you're not, you know, these are the expectations. Yeah. And I actually haven't had anybody say no to that. Actually this is another thing that I think is a derailer and I call it triangulating, where we have all of these meetings at the beginning, we all get on the same sheet of paper, but then I get a call from the boss saying, you know, I want you to work with this person on X. Well. I don't have any knowledge of that. You know, I, I haven't seen this behavior or I don't know. Mm. So I can't bring something up to the client that the boss hasn't already spoken yeah. about. Yeah. And so that's a great time for us to huddle again mm-hmm. and say let's all talk about this new thing that's come up and we may be realigning our outcomes, et cetera, but that backdoor also doesn't work. And I always encourage ongoing communication all the time. And, but when when it's something that wants to kind of slide in and say, hey, would you be, would you talk to this person about X? It's like, let's get on the phone and talk to them together
1: about yeah. that. A- again, a moment of integrity that says everything that happens is gonna be above board, on the table, rather than uh, under the table, and some of these kinds of methods that are, I mean, frankly, it's not just in coaching, it's how most organizations like to communicate, Yes. and you're holding them to a higher standard than the norm is.
0: Yeah, so basically the back channeling, just, it's not going to work. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's avoidance. You know, so we know there's fight, flight, uh. freeze, please. That's a flight. Yeah. And, and it is more magical thinking. And it just doesn't, it doesn't work. And while those conversations are hard, they're also exhilarating. When you get on the other side of a, something that's been avoided, typically what we see is that we were avoiding it for no good reason you know that it was it was much easier a conversation than we thought it was going to be and it feels so good on the other side of it to know that we can have these kinds of, uh, kinds of cons- conversations and still live. Yeah. You know, We're still standing, yeah. <laughs> we're still living, even after our body feels like we're gonna die, That's which is why point. we don't, right. which is why we don't have the conversations.
1: Yeah. We are literally battling biology, aren't we? <laughs> we are literally
0: battling biology, yeah. and it's a survival technique or survival system. Honey, that that that's a, also a place for us to be really uh, generous with ourselves to say "Ah, uh, this is happening I'm avoiding this conversation because I think I'm gonna die yeah I'm probably not <laughs> going to die and we need to have this
1: conversation yeah well and and uh, like you said on the other side of that it is fascinating that the net result is usually that trust has been built and the relationship is actually strengthened through that difficulty Mm -hmm. rather than oh we survived it we actually gained something quite and i love your word exhilarating that's it's a great word for that because it does what it
0: It is that's how i feel anyway when i uh, get on the other side of a difficult conversation you know there's a big exhale and then there's this i did it yeah i can do it again we we just we just built a whole new level of our relationship through this conversation
1: yeah well in everything you've been talking about uh through this concept of the ecosystem it it holds every part of it accountable Mm. and that to me again that's why i I love the work that you do and I love you (laughs) and uh, I without hesitation can say Leanne is your person if you want some coaching because the results that you generate are or help people generate are based on the willingness to speak to every one of Mm -hmm. these pieces rather than let it slide or let it get sloppy. I keep using the word integrity but there's a uh, I don't know what the opposite of sloppy is that fits here, but, <laughs> but you don't let your work get sloppy. And I think there's something extraordinary about that. Oh, interesting. Thank you. I haven't, th- I haven't thought
0: about it that way, but there is. And I think we all have this sense when things aren't going the way that we want. And we would say, oh, I'm not actually that proud of the work I'm doing right now, or it feels off. You know, yeah. if we pay attention, we get those signals. So I appreciate right. I appreciate you saying that. When I get the like the dread or the something, I know. Hmm. Yeah. I need to I need to kind of elevate this and see what's going on here. Yeah. Wonderful.
1: Well, what I take away from that is. For people who are wanting to uh, really lean into coaching as a way of growing, whether it's growing for yourself or whether you have an employee that you want to support, you have two things to look at. One is the coach that you're going to engage, do they have the rigor and integrity that you've just described? And are you willing to be a part of this ecosystem that you've just described that uh, holds the whole thing together?
0: Thank you. Yes, I think that's exactly right. I love how you, uh, how you boiled that down. I couldn't have said that better. Thank you.
1: Well, I've loved my time with you and the tea has been wonderful and the <laughs> environment know, has been- I know, I <laughs>
0: know. Uh, uh, our ecosystem really uh, colluded with us <laughs> and <laughs> conspired to make this really work. Thank you very much, Jerry. My pleasure. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Rise Leaders Radio on your preferred podcast platform. Your ratings, reviews and shares are also really appreciated. You can also visit rise-leaders.com for all the resources we talked about today and to work with me if you're committed to making your unique and positive impact. Thank you for listening. And remember, elevate your part of the world.